Subspace Transmission Subspace Transmissions Hey everybody, it's Subspace Transmissions, the podcast to Soy Trek. I'm Captain Britain. And I'm Pat. We are the topmost researchers at the Gaystrom Institute for Trek Studies. Hmm. And uh, we'll be talking today about Star Trek Nemesis, giving oh you some, uh, some facts and figures, some production notes, all the behind-the-scenes stuff you'd want, except for, you know, what Tom Hardy was doing behind the covers, if you know what I mean. Um, so, yeah, let's start out with some background information. Filming for Star Trek Nemesis began on... November 28th, 2001, just two months after September 11th. In <laughs> uh, rap, man, they and they still included the 9 11 scene, they really did. That's a good point. That's really strange <laughs> that they did that, like, because they they had to put um big trouble on the block for like a year. The, mm. the movie written by uh Dave Barry. Uh, mm. America's foremost uh, Pulitzer Prize winning humorist. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was about like a plane getting hijacked. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> so uh, this, uh, the filming wrap for this movie on March 8th, 2022, which made it overlap with the filming of the first season of Star Trek Enterprise. Mm. Next fact. The, uh, this TNG film featured the longest gap between it and the preceding movie, a span of about four years. This was also the longest drought in the franchise until it was surpassed by the next film in the series, Star Trek from 2009, which was released nearly six and a half years later. Mm. However, due to its poor box office performance and reception, Nemesis was also the last film chronologically set in the prime universe, uh, except for the Spock prime mind meld from 2386 in the 2009 film. There are no opening credits save the title. Both the letter R in Trek and the second E in Nemesis are presented backwards within the words in order to introduce the idea of a mirror image. In the audio commentary of the DVD, Rick Berman says he was not crazy about the inversions. First thing I've agreed with Rick on. Yeah. Brent Spiner receives partial story credit for this film following the footsteps of Leonard Nimoy, who co-wrote the story for the final appearance uh, appearance of uh, the TOS cast in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Mm. The Enterprise-E is not the first Federation starship to visit Romulus. The USS Bellerfun visited the planet in Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode Inter Arma Enim Silent Leges. This is the only TNG film not to feature uh, the Minitkin Tapestry from Who Watches the Watchers somewhere in Picard's quarters. Hmm. Here's a fun one that kind of makes me mad. Jerry Ryan was asked to reprise the role of Seven of Nine in a cameo at Riker and Troy's wedding. Yeah. Uh, but, but refused both because she wanted to avoid being too attached to Star Trek and was confused as to why Seven would attend the wedding of people she didn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like... Great question. Well, I think because um, it's mentioned, uh, I think uh, Mir- Mirina Sirtis was unsure of where she where they were, she was having contract negotiations and mm. wasn't sure if she wanted to return. Mm. And I guess they threatened to replace her with Seven of Nine in this film, and and so that would have been why. And so like that would have made no sense, especially. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess. Well, they're just like, oh, seven of nine was the most popular thing in Voyager, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and you know, and that's really going to get you know, grandpa uh, and grandma get, getting their dicks wet. And it, 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 it I mean, yeah. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me how they like included so much Voyager stuff in, in some of these films and they basically never even touched DS nine when, <laughs> yeah. when DS nine for a large part of both their concurrent series had like way better ratings than Voyager. It is interesting. Yeah. Like they, it, they make a point out of like, not out of completely avoiding the DS nine discussion at all, even though DS nine has so much more impact on the TNG universe than Voyager ever does. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, and I mean, Worf is apparently just given up on his and his dream, and yeah, and also yeah, never mentions his wife at all, and DS Nine something that doesn't exist. Yep, <laughs> super. The song Riker can't remember from his first encounter with Data it was "Pop Goes the Weasel," dating all the way back to the pilot encounter at Farpoint when uh, he tries to whistle it in the holodeck. The, I'm sorry, a large mock-up of the saucer section of the Enterprise-E used during the collision course sequence later appeared in the debris field of a Borg sphere in the Star Trek Enterprise second season episode, Regeneration. Mm. As with the actors portraying Remans, Michael Dorn's voice was electronically lowered in pitch in post-production to give Worf a more alien sound. And, like, I didn't re- realize this until, like, I read this and then watched the film again. Yeah, I didn't realize until you told me. I was yeah. just like, oh, I didn't even. Because, so I mean, he barely says anything. Yeah, he, he only has, like, a dozen lines in this film. Yeah. And the first line is not pitched down. And so, yeah. like, it, it doesn't happen until the second one. But after they say that, I'm like, I, I went back and I'm like, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. That is a little unnatural. <clears throat> so, uh, the contact lenses used in Data's makeup differed from those used in previous outings as this time they were more opaque yellow. Mm. Okay. In an interview uh, early in the film's pre-production, screenwriter John Logan stated that a Gorn would be present in Riker and Troy's wedding reception. (laughs) However, no such alien appeared in the final movie due to the prohibitively high cost of creating such a creature. However, Logan's insertion of a Tholian ambassador spoken by Talara survived the final cut of the movie. A redesigned Gorn later made an appearance in Enterprise in the Enterprise episode In a Mirror Darkly, Part Two. Baby, oh baby. Yeah, it would have been nice to see like the TNG take on uh, on the Gorn. Yeah, that would have been interesting. I mean, I don't. It would probably would not have been good. I don't think. No, it would have just been also with like how Strange New Worlds has handled the Gorn. It would have been incredibly funny. Yeah, <laughs> like they're like like uh, like they're like, oh, Mr. Gorn, did you bring a date? I did, and then looks over and sees another Gorn. The Gorn's like, ah! <laughs> and they start fighting. <laughs> they start, ah! She just spits acid all over yeah. him. I will be the alpha. <laughs> they start, they're the Gorn start like start trying to kill each other. They, at the at the reception, uh, fucking Troy is throwing the bouquet, and like the Gorn woman just like sprays acid all over everyone. And takes the bouquet. <laughs> <laughs> eats it <laughs> and she goes to reach it but then it's caught by another female Gorn and they're like <laughs> must kill um, so uh, Logan uh, screenwriter John Logan also wanted the battle in the Basin Rift to be fought with a fleet of vessels not just four however this would also have been too expensive yeah a scene cut from the movie script states that the USS Hemingway towed the critically damaged Enterprise to Earth following the ship's the latter ship's battle against the Scimitar. 
interesting, I guess. Mm. Um, in the It's a Wrap sale and auction, an unused blue casual jumpsuit that was to be used by Shinzon was put up for auction. The costume was never used in the film, which could suggest that there was an intended scene which may have had Shinzon in a casual state. Hmm. Did, did we want a pajama Shinzon scene, really? Or maybe redeemed Shinzon. Oh, yeah. Lounge, lounge Shinzon. Not, not punished Shinzon. Yeah. We, got just, we just got punished Shinzon. Yeah, what, kind get... of, what kind of villain fucking wears pajamas? I don't think it happens, right? No. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, villains, they always have, like, really perverse, uh, disgusting uh, sleepwear. They're wearing like kink gear and shit. Right? Yeah, they they just wear they wear leather straps to bed, not yeah. not not comfortable silk pajamas. Which is pretty fucking hot. Yeah, still like, <laughs> villainous. Mm-hmm. That, that would have been nice actually if there was a scene where when uh, when he's first initially trying to pretend to be good and wanting wanting to have a truce with them, like um, him and Picard have a sleepover, and mm-hmm. that's where he's wearing the pajamas. Like they're just like up all night talking. Uh, the film's <laughs> visual effects were provided entirely by Digital Domain. Once again, uh, I think this is the fourth film now that does not have industrial light and design. And it's very noticeable. Like all of the films where industrial light and design does the effects has have good effects. Uh-huh. The ones that don't have at many points noticeably bad effects. Yes. Maybe go with them. Before kicking the Riemann Viceroy to his death, Riker uh, originally was supposed to quip, don't worry, hell is dark, which is kind of sick, but... Jonathan Frakes objected to the line, feeling that it made Riker seem like he was enjoying the thought of killing the Viceroy rather than doing it out of self-defense, which is actually true. And see, fucking Riker understands his character. hundred uh, percent. But it, it initially remained in the movie. However, when the film's script was leaked on the internet in mid-2002, Riker's quip in particular was widely ridiculed by fans, which finally led to the line's removal. It, however, is kept in the novelization. <sighs> Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Who reads the fucking novelization of Nemesis? So I just uh, started mutually following a guy on Twitter who reads all of the novelizations of Star Trek. Woof. How's he, is he, how's he, is he sane? I don't know. I just followed him. <laughs> he's, he's on Twitter, so no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the leaked script in 2002 also revealed that the bridge of the scimitar would have had several warp core relays built into it, and Data would have destroyed the ship by shooting one of the relays at the climax. Once again, the dumbest idea ever. This ended up being removed after Rick Sternbach pointed out how ridiculous it would be to have part of the warp core routed through the bridge. And Sternbach (laughs) also called attention to the fact that if a firefight broke out on the bridge, as indeed happens when Picard arrives, one misplaced shot... By either party could destroy the entire ship. <laughs> and that's what exactly what happened. As a result, the script was changed so that Data destroyed the scimitar by shooting the Thaleron generator, which is just as stupid. Just as stupid. A million percent as stupid. If not stupider. Instead yeah. of like, hey, we can't have engines on the bridge, but we can have destructive weapons. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, we can have our super weapon that's completely it completely exposed and does the same thing. What are you doing? You, They're like, yeah, putting the fuel and the engines on the bridge doesn't make any sense. However, the ammunition depot fucking put the whole armory right here. 
That makes tons of sense. Yeah, you know this thing with experimental radiation that's uh, highly unstable and uh, can kill you with just the touch? Put it yeah. right behind the captain's chair. <laughs> yeah, right over there. That's good. That's a great place for it. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Incredible thinking, guys. Super. Just after Data destroys the scimitar, Picard appears suddenly on the bridge of the Enterprise in very much the same fashion that Data suddenly appears on the bridge after Gom 2 leaves in a brilliant flash of light from the TNG episode, Tin Man. Hmm. This is the first Star Trek film to use the 2002 to 2012 Paramount Pictures logo. Hmm. Cool. I didn't notice. Yeah, me either. Uh, it's the one where the stars are like following, I guess. Oh, uh, Okay. It's just a different graphic. Yeah. All right. That's production notes. How about some cast trivia? You want to talk yeah. about the cast? Cool. The only actors besides the main cast to participate in both this film and the first TNG film, Star Trek Generations, are Majel Barrett and Whoopi Goldberg. Huh. In both films, Barrett voiced the Enterprise computer and Goldberg played Guinan. Mm-hmm. We could have used more Guinan, I think. Yeah. Guinan, Guinan's always welcome. We like Guinan. <laughs> and she doesn't even really have a job on, on the Enterprise E either. She's not on it. Right. No, no, it'd be cool if she was like tending bar at the wedding. I would have liked that. <laughs> they make her work. Yeah, it's, just, <laughs> it's just like back to work, lady. <laughs> you, 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 you get free rent in the bar on our ship. You're fucking working for us. <laughs> uh, so Shannon Cochran had previously uh, appeared as Kalita in TNG preemptive strike in DS nine defiant and as Martok's wife, Cirilla in DS nine, you were cordially invited. Oh, uh, yeah, she. I think she played the Romulan lady. Yeah, yeah. And Cirilla, God, I fucking love Cirilla so much. She rocks. I would, I would wreck that every <laughs> hole, any hole she asked me. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Hot. <laughs> uh, J. Patrick McCormick had previously played Admiral Bennett in DS9's Doctor Bashir, I presume, and Prax in Voyager's Counterpoint. And uh, who did he play in this? Um. Eh, oh wow, he's in generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he transitioned from witches to sexual intrigue. Oh wow, okay. He was in Babylon Five. Mm. He's in a bunch of stuff, but I can't find what he was in this film. It's probably a Romulan. Oh wait, wait a second. No, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was a Romulan commander. Oh, he was the one uh, at the very beginning who's like, "Oh, we should make a, a, a oh, yeah. trade with these guys or whatever." Okay, that's fun. It's uh, it's fun to know. Alrighty, what's next? Uh, we're on cast stuff. Oh, probably should have left that page. <laughs> oh, that's on me, isn't it? I guess I'll just mumble to myself until I figure out what the fuck I'm doing. You Although, uh, so Brian Singer, director of the first two X-Men movies and uh, pervert in the bad way, <laughs> can be seen in one scene as the replacement for the tactical officer. Although Will Wheaton's only scene in the movie, Wesley Crusher, that is, uh, only scene in the movie with any dialogue was cut from the final film, he can be seen sitting to the left of his mother at the far end of the front table during the wedding celebration. Um, several deleted scenes, including that one, can be seen in the two-disc DVD Special Collector's Edition. Mm, I wonder if those are on YouTube. They fun they to watch. Uh, at a 2012 convention appearance, Will Wheaton talked about his appearance in the film. According to Wheaton, he found out about it and that it was going to be the last film after a chance run-in with LeVar Burton, and that it was Burton who went to the producers and asked that Wheaton be included in the film, 
that is the nicest thing. Mm-hmm. LeVar Burton is a saint for doing that. <laughs> if I were LeVar Burton, I would tell him I'm doing it and not. Because you know, you know, uh, he wasn't working at that time, Wesley Crusher. Oh, definitely not. Like, I don't, was, has he been, was he in anything else ever? Star Trek Picard. I mean, yeah, he, I mean, he's he's like he hosted a game show or something, I think, on like G4. Or some oh, show. wait. And also Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. He was a recurring guest on Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. He's he's been in a few things. Nothing good. No, nothing good. Yeah. I mean, but that's it's funny because he was in like uh, what's that one movie um, about the kids who find the dead body. Oh, the Stand By Me. Stand By Me. He was in Stand By yeah, Me. Yeah, he started in that. And he ended up like the least successful out of those four kids. Cause yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, yeah the, like, the, Kiefer the, Sutherland in the two Corys. Is that right? Uh, and um, uh, Jerry O'Connell. Wasn't oh, it? yeah. Jerry O'Connell's in that. Yeah. Okay, so it was only one of the Corys then. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, everyone else was like uh, rocketed to fa- to fame. And uh, and uh, he had the most the annoying role on <laughs> Star Trek uh, Next Generation. Man, it's crazy to think that him and Jerry O'Connell are somewhere around the same age. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now Jerry O'Connell's on Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. He's fucking ransom. Yeah. yeah and and his wife. Who's his wife? Re- uh, Rebecca Romain. Oh, that's right. She is his wife. I totally yeah. forget about that. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. They're both. They're both. Both getting that Trek money. Yeah. I uh, I really like Jerry O'Connell. On, yeah, me too. on um on Twitter especially. He's he's funny. Mm-hmm. He doesn't take himself seriously at all. Also, I, I mean, when I was a kid, I loved fucking sliders. Oh, and when I was a kid, I fucking loved Kangaroo Jack. Hells yeah. Hell yeah. I, I would Kangaroo Jack off to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And the, the kids were uh, Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, Jerry O'Connell, and Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. Oh, there's five kids? For some reason, I thought there were four. Or maybe there was just four kids. Yeah. Oh, weird. Um, but yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. Um. I think Keith, oh, Keith for Sutherland was the bully. Oh, that's the one. Okay. That makes, yeah. Cause he was a little older at that time. Yeah, wasn't he was, he? Older, he was like yeah. in his teens. Okay. That makes sense. So, um, uh, so LeVar Burton asked that he be included in the film. Uh, Wheaton said that if only a few days later, his agent got an offer from Paramount to appear in the film and Wheaton agreed without even knowing what he would be doing. Only that he would again be portraying Wesley Crusher. Wheaton also said that he asked John Logan, the scriptwriter, uh, what Wesley was doing there, uh, and asked if he was still a traveler and just visiting, or what had he stopped traveling and returned to Starfleet. Uh, Wheaton said that Logan told him he didn't have an opportunity in the script to decide that one way or the other, and it really didn't matter as far as the rest of the film went, and that it would just have to be one of those things left to the audience to decide which would be the case. Mm. Hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Either don't include him or explain why the fuck he's there. Mm-hmm. Cause you were just like making no sense of his last appearance. You know, he I, had a great send off and you fucked it up mm-hmm. twice. I imagine he probably just took a little break from being a traveler and was just like, I'll attend a wedding. That's fine. But like, at least they should have been like, Oh, Wesley, it's so good to see you. How has been your travel? How has your traveling been going? He's like, I have seen sights you could never imagine or something. And then that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fine. He, you could literally give him a line and, and, and patch it up. Perfectly. I realize life doesn't matter. Nothing matters. None of you matter. He just pulls out a gun. And starts shooting everyone. <laughs> he's Shinzon. Yeah. He's Shinzon. Oh God. Him as a villain would have ruled. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> yeah. even though yep. I don't want him in films like that, would that would have been funny because then you'd have been like, if the travelers are like, just like, uh, and like malevolent, <laughs> he's just like, no, you shut up, <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting fifteen years to say this. <laughs> Time to die, old man. Die, <laughs> die, and then yeah, 
Um, I've been sick. And then, like, yeah, and then Action Picard fucking uppercuts him and, like, shoves his head through a spike or something. Yeah, fucking rips off his wife beater and shoves it in his mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chokes him to death with it. Yeah, what's that torture uh, thing that got that the uh, U.S. soldiers did and, um, and like... Um, Waterboarding? Not waterboarding, but it's the thing where you like take a take a towel, shove it down someone's throat, and then it just kind of like pulls their insides out, kind of. I don't like that at all. No, I mean it's you know it's a kind of fucked up thing that Americans do. <laughs> uh, we do a lot of fucked up things. Yeah. Uh, so Stephen Culp, who later portrayed Major Haynes in Enterprise season three, was filmed portraying the Enterprise E's new first officer, Commander Martin Madden. Uh, the scene was cut from the theatrical release, but is available as the deleted scene on the DVD and Blu-ray release. I should check those out. Try to find those on YouTube. Which which makes me think, I thought it was implying that Data was supposed to be the new first officer, but I guess not. It did, but I think at the I think this is at the end of the uh, at the end of the movie where Data's uh, dead. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And so then they're like, well, can't use Data. Mm-hmm. So Worf is the only Star Trek Deep Space Nine character to be seen in another Star Trek production since DS9 went off the air in 1999. Although Rene Abergenois appeared in Star Trek Enterprise, but not as Odo. No. All right. So next we're going to jump into references to other series and films, which is actually a lot more dense than I thought, but still Mm. sucks. Uh, So Admiral Janeway's comments to Captain Picard in the original script called for her to name the Borg, the Sona, the Romulans, even that pesky Dr. Soren. Uh, referencing the main adversaries of all four TNG films. The first three made it to the final cut. Janeway and her ship were already whisked away to the Delta Quadrant when the Soren incident took place and entirely out of contact with Starfleet before managing to reestablish regular contact at a later point in time. But she still could have known about it because it was like, he's the guy who kills Kirk. Yeah. Like, you're going to know about that, especially if you're a fucking admiral. Yeah, like yeah, I'm, I'm sure she was like briefed on 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 uh, on everything that happened in her absence. <laughs> oh, so apparently she did have three pips, so she is a vice admiral here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this also makes Janeway the only member of the USS Voyager uh, crew seen in a Star Trek First Contact style uniform in live action. Mm-hmm. Although in Lower Decks, we'll always have Paris. Uh, they have him at Tom Paris animated in one. Yeah. Um, and also the Mark one EMH was seen wearing one during Star Trek first contact. He was, yeah. although it wasn't the actual doctor. And then, uh, in DS nines, Dr. Bashir, I presume, uh, you see him in the same style of uniform. Mm. So the film contains references to all five live action Star Trek television series that had been released at this time. Riker employs a evasive maneuver named after James T. Kirk. The entire cast of TNG appears. Riker discusses the Remans' participation in the war with the Dominion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Admiral Janeway appears. And then a USS Archer is listed among the Starfleet battle group, mm. which I didn't notice at all. No, that's, a, me either. That's, a, that's a little fun thing. Oh, fun. Uh, the name of the Romulan ship Valdor was later reused as the name of a 22nd century Romulan senator and admiral Valdor in Star Trek Enterprise, which I really like how they tie that in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, but that's an, that's the enterprise production crew that made a good decision, not them. Yeah. (laughs) So the toast given in data's honor post posthumously by captain Picard to absent friends was also spoken by Admiral Kirk in star Trek three, the search for Spock in reference to Spock's death in star Trek three, uh, star Trek Two: the wrath of Khan to absent friends is the traditional naval toast 
of the day for Sunday. A similar toast to absent comrades was given by Kor, given in Jadzia Dax's honor in Once More Unto the Breach, mm. which is the best episode of any Star Trek ever, yes. in my opinion. <laughs> uh, if, if you're listening to this right now, pause, listen to it later, go watch Once More Into the Breach. It's what, uh, season six, episode something? Mm-hmm. Or it's like 13 or 17 or something like that. It is beautiful. Oh, I'm sorry. It's season seven. It's mm-hmm. season seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can't be season six. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She's still alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it is, um, yeah. It, it's it's a beautiful statement on grief mm-hmm. and and just like compassion. Yeah. And uh, it shows the Klingons, once again, are just better than human. Yeah. Like, they're, they're so much better than people. Until like, you know, uh, uh, Worf just doesn't mention fact that he was ever married Why? <laughs> okay. and then he, i guess that, that helped him get over his grief and then he never had to mention jedzia ever again never in his again. Existence. never ever again so the end of the film where shinzon decides to unleash the uh thaleron device to destroy the enterprise and data's subsequent decision to destroy it ultimately killing him mirrors the end of star trek 2 the wrath of khan where khan decides to unleash the genesis device on the enterprise in which spock sacrifices himself to save the enterprise wrong it's not that doesn't have the same i mean like there i know i it doesn't I have nearly the same impact no i understand what they're going for but there's it doesn't have the same like it doesn't have anything I mean, like data a, doesn't say anything before he dies no picard doesn't see he him goes die. goodbye like <laughs> like straight up what they could have done to actually give a really good emotional impact is the goodbye between him and Jordy. Yes. Like, like, is there going into the hallway? Like data could have been like, uh, it was, it was an honor serving with you, Jordy. And Jordy's like, but wait, you're, you plan to come back. Right. Mm-hmm. And data's like, this is the last plan I have or something yeah. like that. And just, uh, yeah. And like they embrace or something. There's so much emotional stuff they could have put in here that oh, they yeah. just didn't. There was, yeah, there was no, there were no, no emotional, no emotional oomph. No. Cause like, I mean, you, you go to any fucking like normal non Star Trek, you know, uh, weirdo yeah. <laughs> and just, and just ask them like, you know, about like the, you know, the, the Kirk, the, the Kirk and Spock, death moment mm. they'll fucking they'll fucking know it yeah like it's something that's just like burned it's like a cultural moment that's just burned into everybody's yeah. brain whether or not they watch star trek or not i bet if you ask most people what they thought of data's death they probably don't even know he died or or, or, <laughs> or they just don't remember how he died I, yeah I, I would actually yeah i i i'd wager that like most people who have seen nemesis mm-hmm. don't remember how data dies no like i didn't before i watched this again i was like i know data dies for sure in this movie but I can't remember how, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot I don't remember about this movie. And a lot, I got conflated with star Trek 2009 mm-hmm. because like, I mean, elements of the plot of star Trek 2009 would have made a lot more sense in this film, Yeah, but nothing makes sense in this film. Yeah. I mean, my eyes definitely glazed over a few times. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, you know what? I, I can only, I can probably just half watch this movie and get the gist of it. And it's just like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> frankly, you never even really have to watch anything because I just take so many notes that yeah. you, you're practically watching the film again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, the closing scene between Picard and B4, uh, in which it is hinted that Data's memory transfer to the prototype android was seemingly successful, 
could be interpreted as setting up a potential regeneration of data through B4, just as Spock was gene regenerated in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, for a next outing in the film series, which, however, did not come to fruition. Yeah, thank God. Yep. The way Riker defeats Shinzon's Viceroy is also reminiscent of the way Kirk defeats the Klingon Krug in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. Which is kind of true, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because he definitely, like, doesn't he fucking... He just kicks him off a yeah, cliff, he, yeah. Yeah, he kicks, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and into the, into the lava. That's, mm-hmm. right. yeah, that's so cool. Um, so the closing scene with the Enterprise undergoing repairs in dry dock over Earth plays homage to Star Trek The Motion Picture, reusing music from the scene in which the refurbished USS Enterprise is first viewed by Kirk from a shuttle. Mm. Interesting. So I do like that, that they ended, they ended how they thought the film series was going to end with the same way it began pretty much. Mm. That's cool. That's fine. Mm. I guess. Uh, Data's self-sacrifice became a major plot point for Jean-Luc Picard in Star Trek Picard, which premiered in 2020, and in which Picard stated on several occasions that he still mourned his friend after two decades. It was also revealed in the opening episode Remembrance that B. Ford had been deactivated and disassembled when it became evident that Data's memory engrams had not taken hold after all. The disassembled B-4 being put in storage at the Daystrom Institute indefinitely effectively put an end to any possibility of Data being resurrected a la Spock as he only appeared in Picard's guilt-induced dreams. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like super pudgy too. It looks like Data got addicted to pills. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. Like he fought tooth and nail to have this character put to rest because he is... His days of playing an ageless android has come to a close. His I mean, twink death has happened. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like if they decided to fucking just reboot fucking Highlander with Adrian Paul yeah. as the same guy, even though he's like supposed to be immortal, but he's somehow aged 30 mm-hmm. years. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, and, and we're still doing it because he's going to be playing lore in season, th- in season three of Picard. And, you know, and they're not even trying to hide the fact that he aged in this because I'm, no. I'm guessing they're just like, you know what? Like the de-aging looks fucking weird. Yeah. It wasn't effective. And God, I, uh, I, I, I honestly, I almost hope just because it's going to be shitty and funny that they use the same Guinan thing. And, and yeah. they're like, why have you aged, Lord? He's like, I can choose to age yeah. <laughs> some shit. I just wanted to look older. You're like, well, it turns out my father, Noonien Soong, decided to make, give me the aging protocols <laughs> and not data. Yeah, that that's probably what they're going to say. Yeah, I have, I have a feeling because it's like, what what other purpose? Because like, Lord definitely reveled in the fact that he was uh, a machine and an android. And, yeah. and he had no desire to be human. And, and Right, he, and that's and, why he was like a prototype of data. And that's like what they got right with data is data mm-hmm. was the first like positronic robot with a sense of humanity. Yes. Uh. And Laura could care less. He would have, he would have loved the fact that he didn't age and he would, mm-hmm. and he loved, it would have loved watching all the, all the humans die, yeah. age and die around right. him. Uh. But it's just like, so him wanting to look older for any reason doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. But whatever, like, you know, it's like, you know, the f- killing off data was a pointless endeavor in the first place anyway. And, you know, Brent Spiner is going to be playing characters until he dies mm-hmm. <laughs> and probably thereafter, because we're going to have like, you know, fucking deep fake CGI shit, you know, and mm-hmm. they'll, data will never die. So in Picard season one finale, et in Arcadia ego part two, 
uh, it turned out that Data was not dead in the truest sense of the word, mm -hmm. as his consciousness had been preserved by Bruce Maddox and Alton in, uh, Inigo Soong in an artificial construct. A single neuron from the memory engrams Data had copied into B4 was used to reconstruct his entire consciousness. Ugh. So you're going to extrapolate a single neuron into a full brain? That's that, not that that suddenly, that, that doesn't some, make that's any fucking sense. Somehow still has all the memories. That has that makes no fucking that sense. That makes no fucking sense. That, is, that makes no sense neurologically. It doesn't make any sense robotically. Yeah. Everything about this is fucking dumb. Yeah, it's just like memories can all all of all of data's personality and memories could fit on a single neuron. A neuron, and then that, and then like, and then what? what why even bother having to regrow the brain in the first place? Then I don't know, man. I don't know. When a dying Picard got to visit Data in the construct, he was finally able to get closure by thanking Data in person for his self sacrifice who himself had no memory of the event as it occurred after he had transferred his memory engrams into B4. Okay. What? <laughs> so he had no memory whatsoever how he, but he still felt compelled to sacrifice himself for this crew who he has no memory of. No, he, it's, it's like, it's kind of like Quaritch when Quaritch doesn't remember his death because he, he copied his memories before he died. Yeah. Um, so he had no memory of the event as it occurred after he had transferred his memory engrams into B4. So he had no memory after that point. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, well, okay, I guess. Yeah. But, but yeah, so he has data has no memory. However, he still feels the obligation to save this entire crew. Mm -hmm. Why? He has no memories of them. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. He has no memories of them. I don't get it. He had already transferred his memory. <laughs> <sighs> okay um, aware that he was only living in a simulation Data however requests Picard to terminate the simulation thereby making his death definite Picard grants Data's wish which is literally something he asked you know 25 years earlier on the set of Insurrection yeah <laughs> we just gotta do it again play it again Sam right. let's talk about sets props and costumes the only good part of this film the Enterprise-E main bridge, which sucked, uh, <laughs> was placed on gimbals during production to allow for more realistic movement during battle sequences. Hence, the typical lurching movements made by the actors to simulate weapons impacts would appear more authentic. So the whole thing's shaking? That's weird. Mm -hmm. uh, the interiors for Sick Bay and the crew quarters were new sets specifically built for this film. In previous outings, redressed interiors for the USS Voyager were used. Unfortunately, they had already been struck by the time filming commenced. Interesting. The freestanding terminals used on the Scimitar Bridge are actually reused Cardassian consoles from Star Trek DS9. Hmm. Fun. The freestanding terminals used on the Valdor Bridge are actually reused Klingon consoles that were used throughout various series. Hmm. The Valdor Bridge itself was actually a redress of the bridge of the Enterprise E, which... I guess I could see that. Um, I feel like the um, oh, the other one, um, the, uh, what was the other big fucking ship in that movie? Damn it. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like Shinzon ship was like definitely a redress of the E. I'm not sure. Oh, you mean the scimitar? Yeah, the scimitar. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So the Starfleet hand phasers uh, that they used in this film were reused versions from the Voyager episode Endgame, the very last episode. Mm. Also, interestingly enough, did you know uh, Voyager's Endgame Part 1 and 2 are the most watched episodes of Star Trek on Netflix? Really? Really. Best of both worlds Part 1 and 2 come in respectively at number 2 and 3. Endgame 1 Mm. and 2 is the most watched episode of any Star Trek series on Netflix when they had it on there. That's fascinating. Very strange, right? Yeah. Um, and then after Best of Both Worlds, I think it's Scorpion Part One and Two. Is 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 Star Trek still on Netflix? No, I mean not in America at least. Oh, so that uh, that could be why. Because I think you didn't you mentioned before how Voyager is very popular in England. Yes. So that could be why. Or no, no, it's not popular in England. Oh, it's not. No, it's the opposite. And so, so this information is from like tw- uh, when they actually had it on American stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't. I haven't seen anything updated, but. Um, mm. Yeah, so uh, it's not popular in England very much because it was not in syndication. Mm. So, like, the BBC couldn't buy it to show on their stations. Uh. It was on UPN, so only UPN and its affiliate stations, of which I don't think they have any in Europe, were the mm. only places allowed to show it. And so, uh, a that lot is, of places. UPN in, is where I used to watch it. Yeah, well, that's the only place it showed it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the Riemann costumes were later used as Zindi reptilian uniforms in Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah. Which makes sense. They they look cool and gothy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Director Stuart ba- uh, Baird requested the redesign of many aspects of the universe, such as phasers and other props, to make them seem more realistic. He also requested a darker scheme to be used in the sets, hence a complete overhaul of the L-cars displays throughout the ship. I don't like <laughs> uh, the costumes worn by the Romulan guards seen briefly in the Senate were based upon ancient Japanese armor, which makes sense. They kind of looked, you know, fucking samurai-ish. Yeah, they did. Um, the enterprise E observation lounge features a bank of computers that later reappeared aboard the enterprise NX one in uh, the episode, the Zindi on the series enterprise and later still in the episode observer effect uh, where it was repainted. The lounge itself was, in fact, a redress of the Enterprise D observation lounge, the only TNG set not struck after the completion of Star Trek Next Generation or Star Trek Generations. Hmm. So, uh, while in Star Trek Generations, the display and stellar t- cartography were created with blue screens and digital composting, stellar cartography in this film simply featured a large screen with a rear projected display. This set, along with the cybernetics lab seen earlier in the film, were redresses of the Enterprise E's main engineering set. Also, the console in the center of stellar cartography seen in this film was a reuse of the table featured in the Sona conference room in Star Trek Insurrection. The pants worn by Noriko Oling in the wedding scene were earlier used by Kate Vernon in the role of Valerie Archer in the Voyager episode, In the Flesh. Several props, set dressings, and costumes from this film were sold off on the It's a Wrap auction uh, and sale on eBay, including Jonathan Frake's Starfleet uniform, which I would have loved to get. (laughs) Um, It still smells like it. Although I yeah I'd have to gain probably a good like fifty pounds to fit in his uniform yeah I I could definitely fit in his uniform from TNG season one mm-hmm. when he's still a twink like I'm pretty sure like him and I are the exact same proportions on that season <laughs> but then season two he grew the beard gained like fifteen pounds and you know you could have a, like a Brokeback Mountain type thing though where you have your uniform that's over top of his 
hanging in the clo- hanging in the closet. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> oh no, his, his uniform would be hanging on top of mine. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's a little bit bigger. He's a big boy than me. It's true. It's true. Big boy. Big boy. Uh, so also we got a Starfleet stunt phaser rifle, a Riemann belt buckle, <laughs> a Riemann rifle, a plate and bowl lot, a bunch of plates and bowls from the set, I guess. Roger Why Ra- would you want any of this shit? I don't know. <laughs> Roger Raskin's Starfleet uniform. Whoa! Romulan Senate chamber set dressings. Whoa! Sonny Gorg Starfleet undershirt. Whoa! A Romulan wig. <laughs> so weird. Uh, this one's actually kind of cool. The USS Enterprise E set stage plans. So like a blueprint. Know, well, that'd, that'd be cool. That'd be kind of cool to have like, you know, fucking frames or something. Mm-hmm. A final draft of the script, which would be cool to throw in the fireplace. <laughs> yeah, and, shoot with a gun. <laughs> and, uh, and a Coloran costume, which was later reused as a costume for Scott Booker in the Enterprise episode Demons. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, the, the costumes in this film are like the one nice thing I have to say about this film. All I do the, like how they're they're reflective and kind of change color based on where you're standing. And yeah, that is cool. And just like the, yeah, the uniforms look good. They fit well. Mm-hmm. I like them. Yeah, yeah, like everyone has a, a uniform that fits in this movie, which is crazy for a Star Trek film. It is, yeah. That's the one thing they finally get right, and it's in the worst film. I know, right? They finally, <laughs> they finally have okay costumes, and it, it just fucking sucks. It's like, guess what? This all is all it's all form-fitting, uh, but no one's going to watch this. And then they this. read the script, and they're like, fuck. Well, yeah, well no one's going to watch this piece of shit. All was good for some dog shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So uh, let's talk about a little bit about the promotion and the website. Mm. Website time. The film's official website, operated by StarTrek.com and located at Nemesis.StarTrek.com, was launched on the 20th of June, 20, or sorry, 2002. The website's main page contained links to the film's trailer and the option of activating the site is run by Macromedia Flash or viewing a non-Flash version of the site. The site itself, like most official sites, contain information on the film and its cast and crew, as well as images, trailers, and downloads. The American version of the site was fully activated and updated by the 30th of November, 2002, and by February 2003, links to foreign language versions of the site had been added to the homepage. On the 3rd of June, 2005, the site was integrated into StarTrek.com's main website and still exists. Um, The fast food restaurant Del Taco featured promotional (laughs) tie-ins to the film. I never even heard of Del Taco until I moved out here. Del Taco rule. The Del Taco here suck though. Uh, the Del oh, Taco they, they have they have a good vegan option. Uh, yeah, the thing about Del Taco here is it's expensive compared to like the Southwest. Mm. Like, um, <clears throat> when I lived in Colorado, Del Taco was the cheapest thing to eat anywhere. Yeah, and it was it was vegan too. And like mm-hmm. I was vegan briefly for a time while I was there, and it was great. Yeah. One time I did try to go one night. Mm. Like I think like. Uh, one time really late after leaving here and I was like starving. I got hungry again. I was just like, Ugh, hungry again. I was like, Oh, I'm passing by a Del Taco. And then like, um, yeah, there's one of what, like Auburn or something. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like on the way home to you or something. Like yeah. That. And, uh, I went and then like, or um, or some shit. there was a massive line. And then this guy comes up to my, to my door, to my window and knocks on it. And is just like, Please leave. We really have one guy in there cooking. I'm like, okay, yeah, no problem. <laughs> that, guy, that guy rocks. I'd like yeah. to be that guy. He was like the only other guy that was working, and he was just going to every single car and being like, we can't make any more food. We're closing. Yeah, good man. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, trailers and TV spots features Shinzon, Shinzon's line, kill everything aboard that ship, then set a course for Earth. 
Mm-hmm. But they edit it to say, set a course for Earth. Kill everything. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> like, instead of, like, instead of genociding a ship, he's saying, genocide Earth. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's more appropriate. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow, okay. All right. So, uh, merchandising. The toy company Art Asylum released four action figures based on the film's likeness of... Well, I actually want you to guess what four what four characters they made toys of. Uh, I'm going to guess Picard, yep. Data, yep. Shenzhen, yep. and the Viceroy. You got it. Damn. Perfect. I'm good. All four. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. This is because dude. like the only characters in this movie that matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, mm, yeah. I could have said maybe the fucking Romulan lady. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, they they need, you know, make the one girl toy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it, it would make sense because you would want, you know, they also evenly match because you want the two good characters and the two bad characters. So right. you can go in the sand and pretend that are having a fight or whatever. Although, because, although it really should have been Riker instead of Data because Data doesn't actually do any fighting in this film, whereas Riker does. He doesn't, but he is supposedly like the Spock stand in, like the, the, yeah, it, the, 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 the Picard's, you know, forced, uh, um, other half, so mm. they need to have him in there. Mm. Uh, interestingly enough, though, um, a replica of the Enterprise E was planned. However, it was not released until th- over three years later in February of 2006, which is crazy. To me. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, that was, like, three years before the next Star Trek film. No Star Trek series going, but they're like, yeah, let's just fucking release this toy from a film that flopped three and a half years ago. <laughs> what? That's insane. For, the, for the, like, the really weird kids. Yeah. <laughs> just like, hey, you got a little freak at home? Yeah. Give him this. Is your kid stinky? <laughs> <laughs> Is your kid obsessed with, with, with obscure, pointless media? Well, guess what? Does, this is the toy for him. Does your child love Star Trek? Does he refuse to wash his foreskin? <laughs> <laughs> We've got the toy for you. Does he like cheese or not the kind that goes on a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm talking about that from Munda cheese. <laughs> Leave. <laughs> Uh, much, uh, now we're talking about music. Uh, that's another thing that was actually good in this movie. The music was good, straight yeah. up. Like Jerry Goldsmith's score, it was good. Uh, I think that dude, that dude keeps just like making good songs for just like garbage films. Yeah, he does. But uh, here's an interesting fact. So uh, Jerry Goldsmith scored every single film that Stuart Baird directed. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So apparently, those two must be good friends or something. Mm. Uh, Where he, or Stuart Bard has like some sort of like compromise on that. Yeah, like, it's it's just like he's just like, and if you don't do it, I'll release this. He's like, nobody knows who I am. They won't care. I'll do it or I will. Uh, so much like the score for Star Trek Insurrection, the original soundtrack had a lot of material left off of it. A bootleg began circulation about six months after the film was released on home video. Yet while this bootleg contained more music, a couple of uh, vital cues were left out of the score. In January of 2013, Varese Sandabare released a limited edition two CD deluxe edition of the score, which contained everything heard in the film. This release also revealed it contained mixes that the bootleg had and two missing vital cues. This set also contains blue skies as heard by Brent Spiner in the film, <laughs> which is something we don't need. I wonder if that's, that was like something that he really 
spot for because mm-hmm. you know how much he loves singing. Indeed, he does. So yeah, he's just like, you know what? Unless you release this song that I recorded myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lovely. All right, let's talk about the box office reception. Mm-hmm. So this film cost approximately sixty million dollars to make. How much do you think it made back worldwide? Twenty-four. A, not a lot more than that. Hmm. Uh, was it? A, it was a success. It wasn't a success. It made back its budget though. Eighty-six. Sixty-eight. Well, that's worse. Yeah, much worse. <laughs> so, uh, opening on Friday, the thirteenth of December, twenty uh, two thousand two. Star Trek Nemesis earned a lower than expected $18.5 million on its opening weekend. It became the first Star Trek film to not debut in the number one spot at the box office, beating out, uh, beat out by the Jennifer Lopez romantic comedy made in Manhattan. Oh yeah. Which beat out Nemesis by about $200,000. Yeah. I, when I, I think I remember seeing this, like it was an empty fucking theater. Yeah, so it's a uh, Nemesis actually made slightly more per theater than Made in Manhattan, mm. but opened in two hundred fewer theaters than Made in Manhattan. No one wanted this film. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember seeing it and just being like, eh. like I left like just feeling nothing. <laughs> so Nemesis went on to lose over seventy six percent of its business the following weekend, falling to eighth place in the face of the film that I actually watched. The weekend this film was released, hmm. Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Hell's fucking yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah, I went to. Uh, I totally forgot when this film was released because I was so stoked on Two Towers. I know I watched it in the theater, but I'm like, when and where? Yeah, like, I, I saw I saw Two Towers on Christmas Day. Then. Uh-huh. Yeah, I yeah. think I think I saw all the Lord of the Rings on Christmas Day because mm-hmm. like I was like, yeah. fucking hate Christmas and I love Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. motherfucker. <laughs> So at the time, reflecting the fans' perception of the movie, this was the worst revenue drop of any major studio film in box office history. (laughs) Yo! Although it would be surpassed the following summer by Jennifer Lopez's (laughs) Sheely. So Jennifer Mm. Lopez first makes the first film to beat a Star Trek film and makes the first film to lose even harder than Nemesis, which is crazy. You know, I will say Geely is hard to watch. I don't know, have you seen it? I have, and it is very difficult. And, like, even the subject matter is, like, why are you making a film about this? Yeah, like, the, the scene where Jennifer Lopez is talking about vaginas is, like, is like very weird and very, and, and just, like, it's like, it's like you're making vagina vaginas unsexy. Which is, which is, <laughs> how can how can Jennifer Lopez do that? I know but really? Jennifer Lopez still looks amazing. Yeah, yeah like I don't know if you saw um, Hustlers. I think it is. No, I think she's in that. Yeah, she looks great, and it's just like, um, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's it's, just a, it's a painful movie, and then of course it has the dude from like you know, uh, um. Uh, the Hangover playing mm-hmm. the mentally challenged man. Cool. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that part where that's like the whole point where they kidnap the guy and he's, no. it's, it's very bad. <laughs> Sounds bad. Um, the movie closed on Thursday, March 13th, 2003 with a total domestic gross of just $43 million, uh, the lowest of all Star Trek films. Yeah, that, that tracks. Uh, Nemesis was equally disappointing in the United Kingdom, opening on January 3rd of 2003, 
only grossing $4 million on its entire run at the UK box office. <laughs> Whoa. Considerably down on the other next-gen films. Damn. Even if it, no one came out to support uh, Tom Hardy. Or Patrick Stewart. Or Patrick Stewart. Wow. Yeah, the native sons. They're just like, fuck you guys. Yep. Uh, the movie has the dubious distinction of becoming the all-time worst-performing Star Trek movie with the preceding Next Generation movie, Insurrection, actually coming in third. Yeah. And one of uh, only four which turned in an official net loss for the studio. Oof. The biggest one, as a matter of fact. Even the hitherto most reviled one, The Final Frontier, <laughs> had just been able to break even. Wow. Yeah, crazy. All right. Now we're going to talk about reception. We already know it stinks, but guess who else thinks it stinks? Who? Everybody. <laughs> Including LeVar Burton, who is on mm. record having said that the film sucked. Yeah. Quote, sucked, unquote. Yeah, he wasn't given anything to do. No. Uh, Marina Sirtis backed him up, but also quipped, it sucked less than Insurrection, but she's wrong. Yeah, because they kind of forced her into, into doing it because she didn't mm. want to, and they, yep. had, they had to threaten her with Seven of Nine. Which is crazy. Uh, so both Burton and Sirtis also cri criticized Stuart Baird for not having watched a single episode of TNG. In later years, Sirtis has been more vocal in her criticisms of Beard, referring to him as, quote, an idiot, unquote. <laughs> According to Burton and several other members of the main cast, Baird kept referring to LeVar as Laverne. <laughs> Throughout. That's, that's my favorite one. Like that's so fucked up. That that is so fucked up. Any any thought um uh Jordy was an alien. That's so good. <laughs> like he thought because he because so he thought like his this guy's such a fucking moron. Because he had no idea of any of what Star Trek was at all. So he's just like, oh so he's an alien. So Laverne here is an alien. What level of fucking dog brain do you have to have to like literally like work to get a job on a movie and then mm. be like Oh, I don't actually care what this movie's about at all. Which is wild to me because I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure if it's because like I'm insane, but like I would, yeah, if, if, if if I was uh, given given the responsibility of having to do like a Star Trek movie and not having seen it, I would obsessively do research and watch like all. Like I'd be like, okay, what do I need to see? Mm to be prepared for this because so, I don't want to fuck up. Yeah. And, but like, I mean, he, he didn't fucking care, which blows me away because he actually had to make deals with Paramount in order to get this movie. I don't know if it's actually in my notes here, but he, um, he, uh, did recuts of Laura Croft's Tomb Raider and something else because he was known as like one of the best, uh, editors in Hollywood. Mm. And so he re-edited two Paramount films in order to actually get the director job on this movie. You know, it could just be just like, you know, the scent, you know, Shinzon sin overconfidence. Like, you know, he probably was known as an editor that wanted to be a director. Mm -hmm. And so he probably wanted to direct anything. He didn't care what it is, which is crazy. And he probably said like star Trek, how difficult could it be? Now, like, what do I need to know? It, like, whatever, just give me the script. And yeah. I'll what What do I need to know? This this uh, these series only have a collective seven hundred episodes yeah. together. Yeah. I probably don't need to know anything. Come yeah, on. like he, 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 I. That's that's what I'm guessing what his attitude was because, like, you know, like to to actively not not search it out, you know, and and think like you would do better do, uh, handling the material with a with with complete ignorance. Mm -hmm. Is just silly. It's it's the silliest thing. 
So <clears throat> fans uh, came to agree with the assessments of both Burton and Sirtis. The film uh, review website Rotten Tomatoes calculated this score for this film at 37% overall approval rate. And as of 2016, this is the second lowest of all Star Trek films, only surpassed by the final frontier, Star Trek V, which I disagree with, <laughs> uh, which is widely considered the worst Star Trek film. Yeah. Once again, no, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, released at a time when the franchise was already under fire for the poorly received television series, Star Trek Enterprise, it added considerable weight to a fan campaign seeking the removal of, quote, the current leadership of the franchise from their positions, including Rick Berman, <laughs> Brandon Braga, who incidentally had not worked on Nemesis, <laughs> and their entire staff. Damn, he's just catching strays. Mm-hmm. Which honestly, I I wish that that would have succeeded. Honestly, mm-hmm. I wish that would have succeeded, and they would have gotten maybe Brian Fuller yeah. to be the showrunner, or Iris Steven Motherfucking Bear, mm-hmm. or I mean, if it was if they would have gotten him in time. Although I think at this time he had distanced himself because he fucking hated Rick Berman. Ronald D. Motherfucking Moore, yeah, could have done such a good job oh, on yeah. Enterprise. He would have killed that. He would have, uh, in a good way, mm-hmm. like in the way that where they would have had seven seasons instead of just killing it, yes. like they like they actually did. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you you compare like Battlestar Galactica to um, fucking Enterprise, and the only thing that they have in common in terms of quality is they both have dog shit endings, and that's it. That's all there is. Yeah. All right. So, um, uh, release at a time. Uh, uh, so, um, Patrick Stewart has divulged that Nemesis was not intended to be the last of the Next Generation series, but a subsequent fifth one. Uh, quote While we were filming Nemesis, an idea was being developed by John Logan, the screenwriter for Nemesis, and Brent Spiner for a fifth and final movie. It was a very exciting idea for a screenplay. It would have been a real farewell to the next generation, but it would have involved other historic aspects of Star Trek as well. However, the dismal reception and performance of Nemesis ended all notions for an encore. Mm -hmm. Bummer. Thanks, Stuart Baird, you fucking idiot. Fucking asshole. The poor performance and reception of Nemesis, hard on the heels of the equally poor performance and dismal reception of Insurrection, combined with the failure of Enterprise, was... For the franchise conglomerate, the reason to cease any and all further investments in Prime Universe Star Trek. Pursuant the cancellation of Enterprise, the studio, uh, one and a half years later, sold off their entire warehouse's content of Star Trek production uh, stock assets in the 2006 to 2009 40 years of Star Trek collection, and it's a wrap sale and auction wave of auctions, which I would have loved to have been aware of at the time. However, yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know anything about it. But also, like, yeah, what year was this? <laughs> 2006 to 2009. Oh, uh, yeah, man. Uh, but yeah, I would have been 18, 1920. Yeah. Um, that would have been, yeah. Uh, but at this time, like, I didn't watch Enterprise until I was much older. Yeah. I didn't care about it at all. Yeah, like, it, for some reason when it was on, like, it struck me. It, it struck me wrong for some reason. Yeah, I didn't like it, and I just didn't watch it. I mean, and given the first two seasons do suck. Yeah. So I was right to think that, because I did watch it a little bit, and I'm like, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, going back, the first two seasons still suck, but there's some good episodes here and there. But the last two seasons are awesome. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, eh, eh, we'll just skip that. So, the, for, uh, the poor fan reception became part of uh, pop culture when Nemesis was labeled a terrible movie in the otherwise Star Trek-friendly and heavily referencing sitcom The Big Bang Theory. 
Oh no! Uh, and it's only reference in the season four episode, the twenty-one second excitation. All right, now we're going to talk about <laughs> deleted scenes. We're almost done here. Only got a couple more things. So, deleted scenes. Several deleted scenes appear on the special edition DVD with introduction by producer Rick Berman. In the intro, Berman confirms that roughly 50 minutes of footage was trimmed from the original version. Jesus Christ. Nearly a third of the film was trimmed. Um, Known filmed but deleted scenes include an extended wedding scene where Picard speaks with Wesley Crusher, who confirms that he has returned to Starfleet and will be serving aboard the USS Titan, which is a weird decision to make for him. Very odd. Um, next, we have a private conversation on board the Enterprise following the wedding between Picard and Data over a glass of Chateau Picard, where Data examines Picard's uh, Ressian flute, and Picard confirms that not only are Riker and Troy leaving the Enterprise, but Dr. Crusher is also leaving to return to Starfleet Medical. Mm. They toast to New Worlds, which is later echoed during the dinner between Shinzon and Picard. You know, it makes sense because, I mean, at this point, like, they're all... All, all of the, they're too old to be in their position, current position. And all, yeah. Also, like, who wants to work with anyone for fifteen years? Yeah. <laughs> that sucks, man. But it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, like th- there's, there's always a new crop of Starfleet, of, of new Starfleet officers and stuff, and it's just like, and of course, like naturally, like as they get older, they would want to like go on. And- also, it is very strange to me that Riker is only now taking a commission as captain. Yeah. When back in uh, best of both worlds at the end of season three, beginning of season four, uh, it's made very clear that he's, has already turned down a commission like four or five times already. Mm-hmm. And then he turns down this one. So at this point, he's probably turned down like two dozen commissions. Why are they still asking him? <laughs> I don't think he even wants to be captain. No, I don't know. He just wants to be Picard's little guy. Uh, he just wants to be the space sex man. That's yeah. all he needs in life. Mm-hmm. That's all I need from him. That's he's perfect at it. Uh, early introduction of Shinzon in the film, right after the wedding reception. Uh, this is the scene that includes the dialogue from the theatrical sailor uh, trailers. But in darkness, there is strength. Uh, which the viceroy says. I was raised by the darkness. <laughs> and uh, Shinzon saying. The time we have dreamed of is at hand. The mighty Federation will fall before us. <laughs> uh, we also have a scene that's a discussion between Riker, Troy, and Worf in the crew lounge about spending their honeymoon on the Opal Sea on Beta Z, which is later expounded on in the theatrical cut where Picard tells Riker that, quote, the Opal Sea will have to wait, number one, uh, after the Enterprise sets court for Romulus. Data also enters with B4 and attempts to show the prototype android how to eat with a spoon. Eat his ass, that is. Why would he need to eat? Does Data ever eat? Data doesn't eat. So, so it's just like, why would he? Why is that something he would need to learn? Because he's teaching him how to eat his asshole. Oh, okay. He's, yeah. he's not eating asshole isn't actually an eating thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's an oral sex thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, I guess you could eat someone's asshole, but that would be very violent and probably not consensual. Tell me, stepbrother, what do you taste? <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you doing, stepdata? <laughs> what are you doing, stepdata? Uh, so, uh, Worf, also another uh, deleted scene. Worf warning Picard about the Romulans following the scene in the observation lounge on course for Romulus. This scene includes Worf's dialogue from the teaser trailer, I recommend extreme caution. 
Too bad we don't get hardly any Worf lines. Not <laughs> like he doesn't say anything that's interesting or really memorable besides like too much Romulan ale. <laughs> that and the the Romulans fought with honor. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, like the only Klingon trace of Klingon in him. In this and film. really, like he does, he disappears in this film. Uh huh. Yeah. Like he like after he goes shooting, we don't see him again till like the end. No, uh-huh. like he's yeah he 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 they give him a little thing to do on the go kart, which is like seemed yeah. And go-kart seems so stupid. It's right? so dumb. Uh, uh, look, uh, if you're listening to this, go and look for Pat's recut of the scene where he recuts <laughs> it with, uh, with fucking... Um, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's got like a Morton Joe <laughs> yeah. along with Picard, which would have been an awesome film, let's be honest. It would have been sick. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I was trying to say, like, how can I make this good? <laughs> God, I'm sorry. You know how they could have made this movie good? Huh? Is in the end, fucking Shinzon's ship crashes onto uh, onto the planet where they found B four, and that's that's the beginning of Fury Road, motherfucker. Oh my Am god, I right? that's the beginning oh of Fury god. Road, motherfucker. <laughs> Produced by George Motherfucking Miller. <laughs> Suck my dick. Yeah, and Morton Joe turns out to be Shinzon. That would rule. I mean, no, because Mad Max is Shinzon because it's the same person. I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> Picard becomes a Morton Joe yeah. or Data. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Picard's new captain chair uh, used in a deleted scene set at the end of the film was later used as Captain Archer's command chair during the fourth season of Star Trek Enterprise. The deleted scene had Picard pressing a button on the left armrest to activate the chair's built-in seat belts, to which he exclaims, it's about time. Yeah. What? They needed seatbelt? I don't know, man. I don't, I think the seatbelts make sense. They because, do, because they're always, like, jostling around. But, like... Yeah, especially after generations when they fucking crash land and no one has any kind of safety true, harnesses true, true. at all. Like, children are hiding under a table. So That's pretty like, cool. Like, you, you, would, you would imagine that there would be some sort of, like... like emergency protocols where there's just like even like come out of the out of the out of the fucking wall that strap them in and keep them safe yeah. instead it's like oh well you know do what you can <laughs> fuck it fuck it if you live you live if you die you die we also missed a scene of picard walking with troy down a corridor and troy explaining to him that he and shinzon are two different people what Ooh. really the scene includes the line from the trailer it was like a part of me had been stolen. <laughs> um, we got uh, the second um, mind rape scene of Counselor Troy in a turbo lift, apparently. Oh, my God. Parts of the scene also appeared in the trailer showing Shinzon telling Troy, don't fear. And later her on the floor of the turbo lift looking distressed. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. Like, we don't, completely unnecessary. The other scene also that made it into the film could have been out. I didn't because want it, it. I don't want it. It, it doesn't serve any purpose. And it doesn't make for making me feel fucking yucky. It doesn't make like, yeah, like it doesn't, it doesn't further Shin, whatever Shinzon goal is. Mm. That doesn't help it at all. No, it makes it worse. It makes it, it it's the first time he definitely displays himself to the crew as an absolute villain. Yeah. And at that time he still had like goodwill. He has goodwill. Yeah. He still yeah. had a cautious goodwill. Where yeah, he and, and Picard's like, I hope we can be friends. You get to earn my trust now. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's like, like, and he's like, yeah, how do I earn his trust? Maybe I should mind rape his counselor. Cause also, also, cause also if the point was to eventually kidnap Picard, mm. Or like, you know, get his blood, mm. which at that time, you know, we later know that he it knows he's dying 
and needs the blood. So, like, wouldn't it have been easier mm. if to continue this this farce of goodwill, invite Picard over for a private dinner, and then and fucking steal his dick, and then suck suck his blood out of his dick? <laughs> yeah, straight because, up. like, because like. That's that he he did do some subterfuge and like you know and, and should have been doing some subterfuge some subterfuge <laughs> that's what I'm saying like he he completely he completely showed his hand that he's an evil freak mm-hmm. and then and then yeah that's pretty much just starts the whole like his downfall like, downfall yeah and he didn't need to do that he could have literally like achieved all of his goals through intrigue yes by just pretending to be nice but instead he's like <laughs> fucking halfway through the film he's like. All right, I'm on Picard's good side. Time to do the mind read. Yeah. Like, well, how could this possibly did, did come think, back on Did he me think Troy wouldn't tell Picard about that? Yeah. What's going on? What's going on, guy? Yeah. Uh, so we also missed a scene in Sick Bay uh, where they're getting ready for battle uh, with dialogue between Dr. Crusher and Picard, referencing Zephyrm's Cockrum's quote to seek out new life and new civilizations. But it would have mm. been cooler if it, it would have been like, we have a duty to take out new life and new civilizations. <laughs> you know, that would have been sick as hell. Rocking motherfucking load. Uh, we also had a scene of Worf in LaForge packing up Data's personal belongings in his quarters after a memorial service. LaForge examines Data's violin and Sherlock's home's pipe. Spot jumps up into Worf's arms, who complains that he is... Not a, not a cat person. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that would have been then, good. And then, uh, LaForge quips. Well, now you are, <laughs> which is great. I love that scene. Just reading about it. Yeah. They could have, it's a 30 second scene that is like, shows you how much they cared for a person and shows and shows that other people had relationships with data besides fucking Picard. And it forces Worf to have a cat in later appearances. <laughs> you fucked it up. Stuart. <laughs> Who doesn't want Worf with a cat? Hey, I'm Stewie, Stewie Biard. <laughs> I'm a gay baby. I'm going to kill this movie. <laughs> I'm going to kill. I'm going to kill Star Trek <laughs> as a franchise because I'm just a gay baby <laughs> making bullshit films for <laughs> dumb fucks. Stewie Biard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Fuck that guy. Yep. Uh, so, and then we completely missed the original ending. Oh shit, there's another ending. A new first officer is introduced on board the Enterprise as Riker departs and a new command chair is installed on the bridge. <laughs> Interesting. I want to watch those scenes. I want to see who 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 could have potentially had like a career in Star Trek and then I guess <laughs> their their that that future was just left on the cutting room floor. <laughs> yep. All right. So uh, we're going to skip uh, Apocryphia because that's not real shit and uh, just go to the very last part where we're going to talk about honors and awards that this won. Surprisingly, this was actually nominated for a few awards and actually won one of them. Mm. All right. So <laughs> was it a Razzie? Nope. Um, so <clears throat> uh, this was nominated for four Saturn Awards and one Young Artist Award. All right. So the four Saturn Awards it was uh, nominated for were Best Supporting Actor for Tom Hardy, mm. Best Costumes for Bob Ringwood, which, yeah, okay, I can see that. Best Makeup for Michael Westmore, which, yes, I can fucking see that. Yeah, like the the <clears throat> the Remans looked pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like they looked like big-headed uh, vamp- alien vampires, yeah. but... 
I get like it looked it looked convincing enough. Um, and then also nominated, and this one's a laugh for best science fiction film. <laughs> yeah. And then the Young Artist Award it was uh, nominated for was the best family feature film in <laughs> in the genre of fantasy. So out of those, what, f- and it came out at the same time as Two Towers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what? What? Uh, they probably paid for it. Uh, yeah. What? What? What award? Oh no! I guess I told you which one it won. Did I? No, no. Which no. which which one award do you think it won? Best costumes. No, it was actually best family feature film fantasy. What? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it won against Two Towers. Uh-huh. Interesting. And this is a family film. The movie with mind rape. And yeah, it, uh, it says here, and, best, and, a, and a man fe- getting a pipe shoved through him, and then pulling it through him further. It's PG thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. As long as your family has uh, kids 13 and older. Family <laughs> yeah, they can, they can ask your, you know, the kids can ask their parents very difficult questions. You know, just like, what just happened on screen? Uh, Why does the mean Picard have dick sucking lips? <laughs> Dad, that film made me question if love even exists <laughs> or, if, or if there's even a future for me. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's insane. They, they must have paid for that. Yep. Wow. Yeah, so that's all the, the production notes I have on this film. Mm. Do you have anything else to add? You know what my favorite part is? Uh that this that this uh role actually like broke um Tom Hardy's brain. It mm. got him into alcohol alcoholism and crack cocaine addiction, and he actually contemplated suicide because it this 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 uh this role completely derailed his career. Yeah. Uh, which is yeah. fascinating. Well, I mean, it makes sense because like, you know, he acted his ass off in this. Oh yeah. He was, he, he's, his performance is good. He does a great performance of a bad character. Yeah. And I guess he, I guess he presumed since, you know, being in a, this, this, a film tied to such a successful franchise, thinking it was going to catapult him to further success, but that didn't really happen until Bronson. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, Bronson was great. Was that like the first thing that really put him on the map? I feel like there was something else before that. No? Uh, I think so. He was also in that one. Um, uh, what's it called? Um, Guy Pierce movie. Hmm. Which one was that? Which one was that? He pl- actually played a gay character in that. What about that? So another gay character, you mean? Yes, another gay there's, character. There's no way Shin's on straight. <laughs> uh. I know that's I know Bronson for me was the first time he really entered um my like I Yeah, that's the first time I saw him and like that was a great fucking Oh, so he uh, he was in Black Hawk Down. Oh, Rock and Roller was the one. Yeah, he was yeah, in Rock okay. and Roller. Yeah, okay. Rock and Roller's all right. Yeah, he's not in like anything. Okay, so Sucker Punch, Rock and Roller and Bronson probably all put him back on the map cuz those were all three pretty big movies. Oh, he was in Rear Antoinette. I don't Is any Oh, and Layer Cake. I like Layer Cake. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, but he yeah, like after Bronson, yeah, he he's in nothing but big films after that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what he was in Star Wars: The Last Jedi in a deleted scene. That's, <laughs> really? That's wild. Yeah. Um. Apparently, he was in Matrix Resurrections too in an uncredited cameo. Wow, that's wild. That would have sucked. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, in Rockerola, he was Handsome Bob. Oh, he was in Band of Brothers too. That's the first time I saw. Him, oh, for yeah, sure, for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's that's that. Um, don't watch it. 
<laughs> unless you want to just like take a shit on a movie and hate Star Trek and unless you need a really good explanation why they didn't do any Star Trek for six and a half years. Yeah. Don't watch this fucking film. But if you need to know why there's a giant gulf in this franchise, this is a perfect explanation. I mean, you just list, listen to us explain this film for like three times the length of the film. So <laughs> you probably already have a pretty good fucking idea. And you're probably uh, trying to notify um, like some sort of like mental health facilities for us. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You're probably like, <laughs> Probably calling like nine eight eight the the moment you stop listening to this. Yeah. I have some concerns. Yeah, two individuals just did a five hour podcast on the worst movie ever made. You know what's funny? Uh, uh, in like fifteen minutes, it's going to be six hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, our discussion of the movie alone was over four and a half hours. Pat, Jesus Christ, Brit. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you made it through the gauntlet, Pat. I'm surprised. You know, I, uh, I've been I've been making these podcasts like increasingly more elaborate and difficult to get through in order to try to break you. Like, oh, I'm broken. I I know, I know, but you're like still. I mean, you're still sane enough to go to work, which is crazy to me. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just taking an empty briefcase <laughs> to a park. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just sitting in. No, there's, there's, there's just a, a fucking like a, uh, just, just a handle of vodka. Yeah. That's it. You just yeah. like go drink in the park and wander around a grocery store for about four hours every day. I have a suit and a briefcase, and my roommates are like, "Why are you wearing a suit and a briefcase to a job where you weld?" I'm like, uh, uh, "You know." And then I just, I don't say anything. I just leave. I just go to the park and just sit there and just cry. And drink. And I'm like, time to do the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to take notes on Star Trek. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, if you, if you want to lose the will, mm -hmm. just watch this movie. Yeah. yeah. And, not, and, and by will, I mean the will Riker because he gets lost in this. Yeah, you do. Sucks. Yeah. No, oh, well, well, that's it. Yeah. Well, with that, Captain's Log Supplemental. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging with us, fucking soldiers. Yeah. Time for us to warp away, be well, travel safe, and don't watch this fucking movie. Please don't. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for checking with us, soy boys, girls, and other birdly beans. Hang, Hang dong and shocker. Oh my god, how did we even do that? I don't know. And the pain. <laughs>